Welcome to the Encourageous Podcast. My name is Angel Clark, and I'll be your host. Everyone goes through difficult things in life, but it takes a special type of person to use their pain to help others. That's exactly the kind of people you're going to hear from here on Encourageous. Each episode will tell the story of someone who not only survived their struggle, but is thriving. Join us for vulnerable, firsthand testimonies that will inspire you to press on. Get ready to be encouraged. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Encourageous podcast today. Um, if you have not already, I would so appreciate if you would subscribe. Um, this little bi-weekly podcast doesn't get a lot of traffic, so the more people who like and comment and share and subscribe and rate all that fun stuff, it helps get the word out to more people. So I want to thank everyone who's done that already. And if you haven't, I would appreciate your support in that way. So that's, you know, some housekeeping. But now let's get on to the important part of the day. I am interviewing my friend Amber, and she is an awesome woman who has an amazing story, and I just cannot wait to share it with you guys. So Amber, welcome. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thank you. Um, yes, I am 35. I am married to my husband, Andreas. We have three beautiful children, mm. um, and we live in the area, and we do ministry here, and yeah, we love being around. Yep, and you guys, they, um, Amber and Andreas are so, like, the Bible speaks of being salt and light, and I feel like you guys definitely embody that to the fullest. So, um, Amber is a missionary. They've actually went to, how many countries have you been to? Oh, <laughs> So question. more than me, you know, zero, zero mission trips here. <laughs> yeah, we've been around. We um, have done a lot of traveling um, to the parts of Asia is kind mm-hmm. of where our focus was at. Yep. Um, without specifying a lot of the countries yep. for reasons um, to protect people. But um, yeah, we did that for many years until um, we began our fostering journey. Mm. And then it just kind of, I mean, we still do it. It just yep. looks a little bit different. Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, and so that's actually um, our topic for today is you... You started as foster parents, and then you were actually able to adopt. Now you have full yes. custody of these three beautiful babies. Mm-hmm. So um, I obviously haven't done this myself, but from what I can tell and just talking to different people, every foster care and adoption story, there's they're all different. Like It's never like this cut and dry, like this is how it works. It's very up and down, a lot yeah. of emotions. So will you kind of just share with us what made you, first of all, embark on this journey and then just kind of tell us you know, how it all got started? Yeah, so um, I guess our journey into fostering, um, so we were married back in 2011, and um, like most people, we kind of had our own plan Mm. of how our family was going to develop and what that was going to look like, and so um, before we were married, you know, we we wanted to have um, biological children, Mm. we both had a heart for adoption, so we were planning on adopting. Um, we were actually planning on adopting internationally. Mm. Um, and so we got married in 2011, and we waited probably about a year before we decided we were going to start having a Try. family. Yep. And, um, you know, I think it was two years later, mm. and we had not successfully gotten pregnant. Yep. And um, that was when, you know, we started pursuing different doctors just to try to get to the bottom of what the issue was. Yep. Um, long story short, there was some infertility issues happening. Mm. And, um, you know, we struggled through that for a little while, yeah. but then we went back to 
well, we know that God's called us to adopt. Yep. And maybe this is just the way that he's opening up that door earlier than we expected. Yep. And so um, we spent a lot of time praying about, okay, God, like, is this the time that we move forward in adoption? Mm. And we just did not have peace about it. Mm-hmm. It was just a really, it was an interesting season for us because yeah. we, we desperately wanted children. We oh. wanted to start our family. Yeah. Um, but we weren't getting that sense to move forward mm-hmm. in the international adoption that we wanted. Yep. Um, and so we started attending, um, there's a conference called the Christian Alliance for Orphans. And they hold a yearly um, conference. And it's every... Every organization and ministry under the sun goes here, okay. and um, it's really just a heart for people um, to come and learn about vulnerable children, okay. and um, learn about the adoption process, yep. about fostering, mm-hmm. um, about safe families, just the whole realm. And so we attended one of those, and after leaving there, we really felt like the Lord was leading us toward fostering. Okay. And... Um, I think that was that was more scary for my husband. Mm. <laughs> I I have a background with fostering, so oh. my mom was actually a foster mom. Oh, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, so she fostered um, she, as a single mom. Wow. So I had lots of foster siblings, oh, and so yeah. for me that was very normal. Yeah. My grandparents fostered. They adopted five out of the foster system. Oh my goodness. So I have yeah adoptive aunts and uncles. Oh how cool. And um, my aunt and uncle fostered. Oh, so and it was they like adop- all yeah, in so lineage. it was really normal for me. Like <laughs> when we attended this conference, and I was like, "Oh, fostering!" And I Why like, did felt, I think of that? Know, yeah. Um, my husband, on the other hand, it was like completely out of his world, you know. And yep. he, um, I think, really struggled with it um, for a while. And you know, we we took it really seriously because. I initially called someone um, in the foster agency here for our county and, um, you know, was just like, hey, like, we want to adopt through fostering. And I really got shut down. And it was very much so, like, um, if you're only doing this to adopt, you shouldn't do it. Oh, wow. Because especially, I mean, fostering varies for each state. But in the state of Florida, the goal is always reunification with the biological family. Mm Mm-hmm. And so um, they were like, if you're only getting into this to adopt, you really shouldn't do it. Wow. And, um, you know, you need to take some time and really think about it. And that was where I think my husband's fear was, like, mm. really stirred up because, okay, well, are we willing to step into this place and be temporary parents? And never, like, have the guarantee. Yes. Yeah. Be- full-time like forever yeah Yeah. so that was I think really his struggle with that like Mm -hmm. for me I saw it already I had already lived it you know um as a child and I I had already gone through like the heartbreak of it I already sort of understood what that looked like um but that was really hard for him to open himself up and his fear was that he would never be able to give the child his whole heart Mm. for fear of being broken you know and um so we we took I think it was like another like month or two where um, we did a Bible study about you know are you ready to foster is this mm. something that you can embark on um, we prayed about it we saw other people to pray with us about it and at the end of all of that we were both like okay like this is where God's leading us yep. um, and so we just we moved forward in it that's um, awesome yeah. yeah I know I. I because we, I've also struggled with fertility. I've had several miscarriages and, um, you know, that whole experience is just, it's so heartbreaking when mm-hmm. you want to be a parent so bad yeah. and then 
like you get this hope or did you ever get were you getting pregnant or you just couldn't even no, get pregnant no we never oh. had one pregnancy okay yeah so we yeah. never we never actually had a miscarriage oh yeah um, we just have never like yep. out of all that time we never had yeah. anything happen oh okay see that I feel like that's so everyone's like yeah, it goes back to everyone's journey yeah. is different um but so there was a point when I said to my husband like I really I've always loved adoption mm-hmm. I just think it's so beautiful and it's a kid who you know not to be mean but there's kids who are biologically born and they are so entitled and they just feel like they have this sense of like oh well I just I deserve all this and like the adoptive kids are so not like that and they just have this such, they're so grateful for everything so I've just always loved it and my husband is was similar to your husband he's like I don't know if I could because we've had biological children mm-hmm. he's like I don't know that I could love them the same that I that I love my biological kids so that's why we've never moved forward is because I, I'm all in but my mm-hmm. husband's not and I feel like with this you really both have to be yeah it's a commitment for the whole family oh, yes, it's definitely on the same page yeah so I feel like it wouldn't be good for you know one of us to be all in and one of us to not so no for sure that was definitely one of the mm. things when we were moving forward I yes. was like this is not because he, he started being like well if this is what you want to do I support you and I'm like oh. no no and you're like <laughs> no, no, no 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 I don't want your support for me being a foster mom mm. I want us together yep. as a couple yep to say this is what God has for us. This isn't yep. just what God has for me. No. Like I can't do this on my own. And so I was very much like I'm not moving forward until you're all in. Yeah. You know, and as much as that was hard for me to wait for him, yeah. you know, like that was just my prayer for him like yep. Lord if, if this is what you have for us then give him peace about it and yep. give him the strength to move Open forward. His heart. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Okay, so because I, you know, because I know you on a personal level, I've kind of seen some of the challenges you've had along the way, but so one of the things is that you actually, from seeing the flaws in the system firsthand, you now want to become a social worker and you're pursuing a degree with that. So mm-hmm. can you kind of talk about maybe some of the trials that you faced and then kind of go into, you know, where you would like to see changes or what changes you would hope to see yeah. in the system? Yeah. So um, I'll say first before like jumping into that, yep. just... Like for clarification, I don't know how God wants me to use the social worker degree. Oh, okay. So I just just to be like very clear yep. on that. So, um, I, to rewind a little bit, um, when we when our our kids who we have just adopted our three. Yep. Um, when we were in the middle of their very long and messy mm. case, yeah. um, I had gotten to a place. It, it's really it's a struggle. Anyone who like has been in the midst of the depths of fostering, mm-hmm. um, it can get it just gets lonely. It gets dark. Oh, it gets. Yeah. I mean, you're just you're questioning everything. Yeah. And um, I had gotten to a place um, where I was like, God, you know, something needs to happen. Like mm-hmm. this is either I'm either gonna have to quit fostering because mm-hmm. I am so disheartened and discouraged at seeing how the system is failing our children like and not just like month after month but year after year after Mm. year and like it's just being dragged out and um I got to that place where I was like I either need to quit or something has to change and I mean I'm just not I'm not one to quit I'm one to figure out a solution and I felt like the Lord was leading me towards going to school in the social work degree so that um, one, I have a greater understanding mm. of 
what the social workers are getting taught, yep. what, you know, how, how are they being brought up into the profession. Yep. Um, but also I think God wants to do something, um, ministry wise yep. with this. I, I, I don't have all the pieces and yep. it's really frustrating for me cause I like to plan. Yes. So I really <laughs> like to know what's going to happen, but, yep. um, praying about it. I just felt like the Lord was like, you know what you, I'm giving you the steps for today. Yep. And you don't have to worry about tomorrow. Mm. And um, I haven't gotten a clear picture of how he's going to use this, but I do have a strong sense that it's going to be a lot greater than I can fathom. Yep. So um, I so I say that just to say, like, I don't know that I'm stepping into the realm of social work. I yep. just know that this is where God's leading me maybe to have greater understanding, to be able yep. to advocate better, mm. to be able to teach better. I don't know what yep. that looks like. I'm just being obedient to what he's asking. Well, that's really all you can do at this point. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, but yeah, so for, for our journey leading me into that, I think the most frustrating aspect, one of the most frustrating aspects, (laughs) so many, um, is the time frame. you know, foster care was developed and meant to be a temporary circumstance. Yep. Right. So, um, again, like each state has different laws. Yep. So this, I can only specifically speak for the state of Florida yeah. cause that's where we're at. Yep. Um, and even the counties can vary. So, oh, yeah. um, but for us, it's, it's supposed to be, the children are supposed to be in temporary care for like a maximum of six months, right? Oh, okay. That's supposed to give, you know, the biological family time to rehabilitate, get, get their, their self together, yes, yep. get their feet back on the ground and, you know, find, find work, find, you know, a place to live. Yeah. Yep. Parenting classes, all this, you know, it gives them that time to do that. And if, um, these children are supposed to have permanency after six months. And so after six months in care, um, really the court should be saying, okay, are these parents ready? And if not, then we need to start pursuing yep. permanent placement for this, for this children. Yep. Right. And, um, what ended up happening in our specific case, and unfortunately it's not a rare occurrence, is it gets continued and continued and prolonged mm. and prolonged. And um, our our children's case um, lasted three and a half years. Ugh. And to me, the heartbreaking thing about that is there's not... I mean, after like three years of it, there there was not an end like, well, we know it's going to go in this direction, you yep. know? And so these kids are in limbo mm. for this extended period of time and no one can tell them what's going to happen to them. No mm. one can tell them after three years, okay, you are going to be reunited with your biological mom yep. and dad. They are doing what they're... Or, okay, no, you're not. You're going to, you know, we're going to be adopting and it's going to look like this. Um, and so these kids are, they're the ones that are getting, mm. you know, the short end of the stick here. Those yeah. are the ones that they're, they're getting traumatized mm. repeatedly and repeatedly and repeatedly. And they're the ones that are, um, paying the price mm. for this extended amount of time. And yeah. it's supposed to be a short period of time. And that's mm. way too long for a child oh, to yeah. not know what's happening to them, yep. to not know, you know, what's going on with their family. Mm. Um, and so, and you see that play out in behaviors you see that play yeah. out in anxiety you see yep. that play I mean there's just there's so many ways that that plays out for children mm. um and it's heartbreaking 
you know? And so for me, I think that was one of the, the biggest frustrations was like, it just felt like nothing was moving forward yeah. and why, you yeah. know, like no one was in a hurry mm. to get to the end of this, yeah. you know? And that was frustrating. And also mm. just the lack of teamwork, Yep. you know? And so I think that's another part of pursuing the social work degree is understanding like how how can foster parents and social workers and um, the guardian at litems and the attorneys and the counselors and the judges like how can we come together to support mm. the children yep and be a team because like a united we, front and yes. kinda, yeah um, and really what's ending up happening is that everyone is working as individuals and mm. it's very chaotic and it's yeah. very no one knows what the role is and yep. what they're supposed to be doing and the roles are being put on you and you and you and you and um, it just gets confusing and chaotic yeah. and so I don't think you know God is a God of redemption and yep. of clarity yep. and um, you know he's not a God of chaos yeah you know and so I think he wants to bring like this um, order yeah you know to the system yeah. and um, make it function mm. um, the best that it can in the broken world yeah you know? Because what, when it comes down to it, it's really, it's a terrible situation for kids. Your mm -hmm. parents are to the point where they are either neglecting you or they're abusing you or something. So it's obviously from the get-go, it's not a good situation for the kids. So it's already hard enough. Like, let's not make it harder. Yeah. And then something else that I feel, um, I've heard this argument from other people, like just talking about fostering, who don't want to foster because... Some of the kids have been in and out. Like, they're with their parents, they're gone. They're with their parents, they're gone. Like you said, it's like this weird, like, they think they're, they're back to the parents, and then all of a sudden the parents are using again, and they have to take them back away. And so some of these kids, you know, either commit crimes or abuse other kids. And so that's the reason I know a lot of people who don't want to foster is because they're like, we don't know what those kids have been through and what they would do to my kids or to, you know, can you kind of speak to, do you think there would be any way to, like, maybe implement counseling services for those kids? Or what do you think would be a way to kind of take away that yeah, side of it? that stigma. Um, well, really, I, starting out by saying, like, that it is a big stigma. Yeah. Um, and it's not usually the case. Yeah. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, because oftentimes, like, yes, there are children that come in and out and in and out yep. and in and out. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is these children are coming in and out of care not – because of themselves. It's because of their parents, right? Yep. So it's because of the parents' actions that are bringing these children into care in the first yep. place. These children are not coming into care because they're bad kids. No, of you course know? not. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so, and a lot of these children are coming into care for the first time. Mm. Um, and as far as counseling services go, yes, like the children that are coming into care, they're provided these services. Oh, those are provided. Okay. Yes. So, um, and that's something that foster parents work as advocates for, mm -hmm. for their children, but those services are there. Okay. Those services are there and available and yep. it has, you know, the foster parent and the social worker, we just have to ask for them, mm -hmm. you know, but it's there. They have the counseling services. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but also, um, on top of that, they, the behaviors, I think it's important to remember no child wants to like have an outburst. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're people. They're little people. We're big people. It's, yep. And even adults have yeah, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> we all have bad days, right? Yep. Um, the the fact of the matter is, though, 
people who don't come from a traumatic experience, mm. um, we've had the privilege of, you know, learning how to express ourselves properly. We've had the privilege of, you know, having parents that nurtured us mm. through our outbursts, yeah. you know, in a healthy manner. And so these children that are having behaviors and outbursts, um, they're really, it's, it's an emotion that they're trying to express that they don't have the words to express. Mm. It's the, the feeling and, you know, I mean, putting yourself in their shoes and trying to even just think about the things that they've experienced, yeah. you know, I, it's more understandable if you have that compassion to think about it yep. in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I wanted to speak on um, the fear about like the abuse and stuff. Yeah. Um, at least here in our area, abuse is like the one of the least amount oh. of reasons the kids come into care. So what you see more often is just um, neglect is probably like one of the highest ones. It's just the the parents have found themselves in a bad situation, not able to provide, Mm. um, and just need time to get themselves back on their feet. So that's a really common one. And then unfortunately, um, you know, as a nation, we have like the opiate crisis right now. And so we have, there's a lot of substance abuse. Mm. Um, But you don't, I mean, while, uh, while like physical and sexual abuse is out there it's not as common as people think as regards to like why children are coming into care Mm. um that being said if abuse is known um the children who come into care come into care with like it's called a safety plan okay um and so that would just be like okay well in order to see this child succeed and any other child in your home be safe um like when we get calls they would say something like okay, um, we have an eight-year-old boy coming into care who has a safety plan. So he should not be in a home that has any children younger than him, but he does really well with children who are older than him. So So it's kind of individualized for the child? Yes. And and another thing to remember is as foster parents, you have the right to say no to any call that comes in. So it's not like they're just dropping a child off at your door. They're calling you and asking, are you comfortable taking this child? Oh, okay. You know, so... I mean, as we get calls coming in, well, no, that's not really a good fit for our family right now. We can't take that child, you know? Um, So I think that's something to remember because you're in control, Mm. you know? Like, you are in control, and your number one priority as a parent is to protect your children. Oh, of course. That's number one. Yep. And so there's no condemnation on you if you can't take this child that's a danger to your children, Mm. you know? Like, that's not – no one is expecting you to endanger your child. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a big thing that people yeah. don't often think about. Oh yeah. You know, cause yeah. I, as I've said before, it, when we were having our miscarriages and all that stuff, um, I had of course brought that up and then I don't remember, I was a relative that said that to me, mm-hmm. like, you don't know what these kids have been through and you know, if you have other kids, what they could do. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I, I don't really have a response to that other than like, like you said, put yourself in these kids shoes, yeah. you know, could you imagine how terrible what they've been through or how, yeah. and a lot of them especially like your babies, we'll get to that in a moment, um, how they, they're little. So yeah. even we don't even, we, there's really no way to even for them to express what they saw or what they heard or what, you know, because yeah. if they're two or three, they can't tell you like, yeah. oh, mom would passed out from doing drugs. Like yeah. they can't even express that. So yeah, it's definitely just, that's one reason I love adoption and even fostering so much is I feel like I've heard it before that it's such a picture of God's love. For us yeah. is like adopting you know he adopted us into his family we didn't deserve it we were all sinners and we've done wrong and you know all that so just to 
the fact that he fully embraces us and like you guys fully embrace your babies. I just think it's so pretty. It's such a such a beautiful picture of God's love. <laughs> okay, so you had other children mm-hmm. that you fostered. Can you kind of talk about your journey about what led you, like at what point you decided to pursue? Because with your other set, I don't know that you were actively pursuing mm-hmm. permanency or were you? Um, so, per- so permanency is always the goal. So okay. that, um, but it's either, okay, the child is going to get either yep. reunified with parents yep. or they'll try to find a relative placement yep. or if that's not available, then, um, adoptive family. Yeah. Um, so for our, our first placement that we had, um, I don't want to get too into stories because no, I just okay. kind of protect them. Yeah. Um, but it was there was another family member that was available to take them. So that's why it went that direction. Um, But I think also, I don't know, God did a really interesting thing in our hearts. And I feel like as we stepped into fostering, um, we became more at peace Mm. in our limbo. (laughs) Is that like, you know, so, and there would definitely be a number of times. So our first placement was only with us for just a few short months. Um, and then our three littles came into our care and yep. just with us forever. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, w- was there a point, tell me, I feel like I remember, I think I remember you had your babies. There were two. Yeah. Our girls. And then they went back with the parents for a period. Mm, Is for that a week. correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So can you kind of tell yeah, me Yeah. So that's, I mean, that was like right at the beginning when they came. Okay. Um, they, I think they were with us for one week. Mm-hmm. And then they went back home for a week, and okay. then they were right back into care okay. again. So I could have the timeline. Yeah, it was a really short flip around. Um, and again, that's something that our specific state is so um, bent towards reunification mm. at all costs that I think, unfortunately, sometimes it happens a little bit too quickly. Yeah. Um, and that was the case yep. for our girls. Um, was it got pushed very hard yep. and the attorney won that over and then after a week was not a safe place for them mm-hmm. and so they were back in care again so um yeah that's i think that's unfortunate because if we're not giving biological families the proper amount of time mm. to rehabilitate and to yep. do the things that they need to do um then we're sending kids back into a place that it's not safe for them yeah. you know so it's almost like it was like set up for failure before they even came back, right? Yeah, and then you have the instance of kids being in and out of care like that because we're sending them back too soon and the parents aren't ready. um, But, yeah, I think God kind of... Well, he challenged us, I think, a number of times because our heart was to adopt. Yeah. Um, But there was definitely a number of times where God's like, you know what, like, Mm. will you still love me if you're not able to adopt these Mm. children? Will you still serve me if you can't adopt these children? And, you know, we had to get to a place in our faith where we're like, yeah, God, like, we still love you. We'll still serve you. We still trust you with our, like, your plans for our family. Yep. You know, because we know that you've called us to be a mom and a dad. Yep. Um, However you want to do it, we know that you're good. Whatever it looks like. You know? Yeah. And so we kind of laid it at the altar again and, um, you know, let God do his thing. But, um, you know, through that, had the privilege of adopting. And God's really been challenging me now that our adoption is finalized. And I feel like he's giving me um, his eyes mm. to see the biological families um, in a new light. Because yeah. God's design for family, like his original design for family was a 
mother and a father yep. and with children of their own DNA. Like that was his original design yeah. and he created us to, you know, he gave us his beautiful picture of a heavenly father yep. and he showed us what it was like to be a parent, right? Yep. So he protects and he's, he's fierce for us and he provides for us and he defends us and he, you know, cares for us yep. for all of our needs. And he gave us this beautiful picture of what it is to be a parent. Um, unfortunately in the broken world, mm. um, especially people who, you know, don't have a relationship with Christ, oh, yeah. who haven't been given, um, a good model of a parent, mm. um, don't know how to do that. And so that's where it, it breaks down. Mm. Um, but I think God's heart is redemption and he does want to heal biological families. And I feel like that's something that God's really stirring in my heart to, um, see more foster families come alongside the biological families mm. to mentor them, yeah. to help them, um, to hopefully walk them in relationship with Christ. Mm. Because if they have a relationship with Christ and they're healed and they start to see a good model of what a parent looks like, mm. then I think God's glory is manifested in that redemption of a family. Yeah. You know? Yep. And then not only um, is the DNA of that family still together but your family grows as you are growing alongside of them oh, yeah. you know what I mean yeah so I think that that is on God's heart I don't think that adoption was like his number one like this is the way to go I think he gave us the picture of adoption as a redemption story yep. of when you know the human person doesn't make that choice and decides mm -hmm. to continue to walk in sin and decides yeah. to continue to be in that broken place yep. um then it's like you know, God the Father swoops in and adopts us. Yep. And that's what he's given us to do. Yeah. You know? So, and I feel like I'm going on a tangent. No, that's there. awesome. <laughs> I love it. Because like I said, I don't, I've only kind of seen your story, like just from like a, you know, watching as an outsider. So to hear it yeah. from your perspective is really cool for me too. Yeah. Um, so at one point you had your two daughters and then, well, now they're your daughters, but you had the two girls and then the mom popped up pregnant. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I don't know if you want to speak to like, just kind of give people like a little, you know, like, so we had the girls and then this is when this happened. And then, so if you want to just kind of yeah. talk about maybe that part of it where you're like, Oh, and here comes another one. Yeah. Like, what was that like for you? Well, we had, um, our girls were with us. I think it was like a year and a half. Oh, was that long? It was okay. that long. Yeah. Um, Maybe it was just a year. Somewhere between a year and a year and a half yep. we had the girls. And um, it was, I think, we were nearing the end of their case um, when the, the biological mother mm -hmm. had our son. Yep. And um, that was one of the reasons why the case got continued. So mm -hmm. it was kind of like everything started all over again. Yep. Um, we... We knew that that child was going to come into care. We knew he was coming into care. Um, we fought really hard um, to see him because he, he was in the NICU for, I think, seven weeks he was in there. And um, we were like, we just want to see him. We just want to see him. We just want to see him. Um, I was finally given permission to see him. And I remember, oh, my gosh, I remember, like, the first time I like laid eyes on him, I just like picked him. I just wept my eyes out. I, I mean, immediately fell in love with him, yeah. you know? And, um, we, we didn't hesitate. Like we were only licensed for two children. 
Um, but there was no hesitation nope. to take him. We were just like, yep, he's family. Like, he's coming. Like, <laughs> no question. Um, and there was a really big, I, I don't want to say a mix-up, but again, the system is broken and pieces fall all the time. Mm. And um, the, the social worker that we had on our case at the time that he was born, she was around. And then around the time that he was being released from the NICU, um, she like was on vacation and something fell through the cracks and um, I got word from the social worker at the hospital that he could be released and I could come and pick him up and I drove up there, had a car seat, everything, you know, his bedroom was already, went up there to pick him up and um, they wouldn't release him to me because um, someone else in the system uh, decided that he needed to be in a medical foster home. Um, and I mean, we, I made all the phone calls in the world that day and I was just beside myself thinking like, oh my gosh, like I've been sitting with this baby boy that I've like, he's been ours, you know, in our family and you know, day after day and week after week. And now they're telling me that he can't come home and meet his sisters, you know, like I was just like beside myself. And we really fought that, and I fought up the ladder, and I was trying to get a hold of everyone. And um, at the end of the day, they were just like, no, you're, you're not mm. taking him today. And he had gone to a different um, foster home. Oh, so he did. Yeah, okay. he did. I didn't know that. Yeah, so somebody else went and picked him up, someone that never met him before. Aww. See, this is part of the stuff that I'm like, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. You know, and all the doctors, the nurses, the social worker at the hospital, everyone was like, he doesn't need a medical foster home. Like, he's perfectly, they'd be perfectly fine there. We did, like, all the training. Like, yep. you know, we attended our classes. We did the training. We read the books. We watched the movies. And, um, and really, um, yeah, he, he didn't. He didn't need a medical foster home. But, um, so anyway, he went with another woman. And I fought it. Like, that, that evening, I just was like, I... Hold up my email, and anyone I had an email address for got on this email. <laughs> like, I don't know the judge, the janitor. You're on it. I don't know who you are, but you were on this email chain because I am gonna fight. I mean, I was feeling really defeated. You know, I was feeling like there's nothing that I can do in this. But then, like, you know, I just think that that's something that God has like put in me where it's just like, no, this is not okay. Not taking no. Not taking no for an Not like. We are meant to like defend these children and like fight for their best. And his best is to be with his sisters. That's his best, you know. And um, and we had already bonded with him. Like we had been with him for the last three weeks. And yeah. so, um, yeah, I wrote, I included everyone on this email chain and was just like, this is not right. <laughs> and I just like gave it my all. And I'm like, yep. it was kind of my last like hail mary, you know, like <sighs> going on. Somebody. <laughs> um. And I got a response the next day, and they were like, you come pick him up. <laughs> Just the one day? Yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah, that was oh, so great. So, got to bring him home so he could meet his sisters. Oh, Yeah. That's awesome. So, now he, the reason he was in the NICU was because he was born addicted to drugs, correct? And they had um, to kind of like... Yeah, he had to be him. weaned off, yeah. Okay. So... He, yeah, his his mother, his biological mother struggled with substance use, mm. um, so he was being weaned off of that. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So he, um, yeah, they had a really hard time weaning him down. It took a mm. while. So yeah, well, because with the baby, they can only go like an adult. You could go 
a little faster, but with a baby, you can only go like, wasn't it like 0. 0.02 each day or something? It was like yeah, and microscopic they, almost. Yeah, and it's 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 sad because it's um you know the baby is in pain and mm. struggling, and so they try to keep the baby as comfortable as possible. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's a slow process. Yep. Yeah, I know. I do remember that, and and I remember at one point we you were actually I think at the hospital with the baby. And Andreas brought the two girls to a birthday party, mm-hmm. someone that we were at church with, and him and I were just kind of talking. And he was telling me that sometimes you guys in passing would see the biological mother and his feelings of just like, he's like, oh, if I could, like, I want to punch her in the face. So can you kind of speak to, because you said you got, you guys obviously were angry and, you know, you're fighting for the best of these kids. And then now you're at a place where, like, you're feeling compassion. Can you talk about how maybe, you know, what what you did to kind of get to that place? Like, was yeah. it Bible study and prayer, or what did you... Yeah. I'll, I'll say... <laughs> I'm sorry, husband, if you're listening. <laughs> no, um, I'll say that I think my husband struggles with it more mm. than I do. Okay. Like, with... Um, I, and I think it's a righteous anger. It is, yeah. you know? Like, it's, it's his father heart, you know, that yeah. is upset. And so I get that. Um, but I'll say, like, prior to our son being born... Um, we had a, or I'll say, I had a decent relationship with the biological parents. Okay. Okay. So, um, because I, I, I don't know. I just, I think that's something that God's just given me a heart for. And like, man, when you think about it, like being put in, put yourself in the parent's shoes Mm. and I don't know their story. I don't know, but I do know that they're God's children. I do know that he Mm. has good plans for them. And somewhere along the way, they've been deceived. You know, the enemy deceived them. They made bad choices. They wound up, but no one, no one wants to be in that lifestyle. No Mm. one wants to have their children removed from them. No, Mm. you know what I mean? Like they're God's children. They're just not walking in his ways right now. Yeah. And so, um, when the girls initially came into our care, my heart went out for them, for the parents, because I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, they don't know us. Yeah. And you hear terrible things about foster homes. Exactly. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. thinking about that as a biological family, you don't know if your child is safe in the is foster home. good people or bad people? You have no idea. Of, yeah. And so I was like, that would be terrifying. Like, mm-hmm. if I just found myself in a bad position and my children got removed from me, I would be terrified because oh, I don't, gosh. there was strangers. Oh, I can't you know? imagine that. That would be a horrible feeling. Yeah. And so thinking about it like that, I'm like, I want them to know that they're safe. I want them to know that, you know, we're rooting you on. We hope that you get yourself, you know, where you need to be. And so like I would write the biological parents, I would write them letters and I would update them with the kids and I would update them with like, I mean, my heart broke because they were missing a lot of their children's first everything, you know, um, especially our middle baby. It was like, you know, because she came to us at four months. And so I'm like, you're missing all the milestones. Her walking, her yeah. crawling, all that, yeah. And so, um, so yeah, I would update them with, you know, milestones. And I would update them with how they're doing in preschool. And um, I would send artwork and photos, like, when they went to visitations. And so, you know, I tried to really, you know, and I would drive the girls to the visitation. So I would meet with the biological parents and I would talk with them. And we had a decent relationship. Yep. And, um... I think I would, you know, I was rooting for them, and the hard part is some biological parents are trying, mm. and others are trying to maneuver the system. Mm. Um, so, you know, rooting for them, rooting for them, and then when our son is born, 
exposed to a substance, mm. I'm like, well, that's discouraging and disheartening when I was hoping that mm. you were improving or, yeah. you know. And so I think that was really where, like, the disconnect happened yeah. um, because I was just so, like, for you to substance abuse while you're pregnant is a very it's a selfish oh, yeah. you know like of course. you're not you're not thinking of the child nope and so um so it was really hard to see this innocent defenseless child oh, fighting yeah. Yeah. something that he had no control over nope. and um so yeah so there that was the, that frustration and yep. that anger there and um you know I, and I would pray and I'd just be like lord like I can't like you know, cause my, I used to pray for them, like, you know, help them, help them. Yeah. And after he was born, I was like, I can't even, like, get out, like, a prayer. <laughs> like, I'm so, like, ah, you know. And I think, like I said, like, there's a righteous, like, parent. You know, it's like a mama bear and a papa bear. Like, I can't believe you did this to my son, you know. Like, yeah. this frustration. Um, but, yeah, I think that as time goes on, mm. um, you know, God is compassionate God is steadfast yeah. God is you know enduring mm. um, and that's something that he's really spoke to me especially through fostering it's like you have to endure you have to endure you have to endure it's in first Corinthians 13 it says like um, love is patient love is kind one of the things is long-suffering right mm-hmm. is one of the like attributes of love yeah and that's actually I mean there's a lot of scriptures about his long-suffering oh, yeah. lots and um, and I have like pondered like, on many of them, <laughs> pondered on many of them through the years, <laughs> most recently. But it, I mean, it's encouraging because to, to be like, you have to, you have to be on the solid ground of Jesus Christ, right? Like, yeah. I don't know how anyone could foster without knowing mm, Jesus, yeah. because I'm like, I would just, I'd, yep. be, I'd fall right on my face, I'd yep. be done. Um, but I can stand on solid ground. And even when, like, the world around me is, like, a whirlwind, yeah. um, I can go, okay, Jesus did this for me. Yep. And Jesus did this for them. Yep. And Jesus did this for the parents. Yep. And um, you just have to have, like, that eternity mindset, mm. you know, of the greater, you know, God's greater plan. Yep. Than just, like, what's right in front of you. Yeah. And I think that is what gives me the ability to, like, mm. think that way. Because if I'm just looking through my own eyes then I would have no compassion, yeah. you know, because I'm dealing with the children. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I think that we have to remember that these adults who are making bad decisions were once children yeah. who probably had things happen to them. Mm. It's a cycle, Yep. you know. And, um, yeah, and he didn't want those things to happen to them either. Yeah. You know, like, they're his kids. Yep. So... I think that's really like where the compassion comes from. It's mm-hmm. just like that wasn't God's plan for them. Like yep. somewhere along the way, something happened and it derailed. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's actually a good way to look at, you know, many mm-hmm. things in life. Yeah. Because, like, because for anyone who doesn't know, like, I have a daughter who passed away from cancer, and so one of the arguments people would say is like, "Well, how do you still believe in God when He took mm-hmm. your daughter?" And I'm like, "Well, I, all I can hope is that." Somewhere along the way, somebody watching me go through this and still stand on my faith, it's bringing people to Jesus, yeah. you know? If they can say, whoa, she went through that and she still believes, like, why am I not believing, you know? Yeah. So similar thing, it's like, I don't, I don't know that that was 
maybe always the plan, but I think somewhere along the way, you yeah. kind of have to, like, you know, we have to go through things in life. And if you think about it, like, Jesus even suffered. Like, yeah. how do we think we could escape this life without suffering? Yeah. It's the, the tragedy of the fallen world. Yeah. Okay, so you kind of already talked about some of the things that taught you just through the whole experience, but were there, what would you say, aside from what you've already said, is there anything else you want to add that you think maybe was like a really valuable lesson, like just a valuable life lesson that you wouldn't have known had you not gone through this? Um, I think one of the biggest things that God has taught me through this is just grace. Mm. Like... <laughs> Grace for myself, yep. grace for my children, mm. grace for the parents, grace for my husband, grace for yep. the system, grace for the... Like, Just like the judge, it like, everywhere. Yeah, it really, I mean, um, because, I mean, grace for myself because I think as parents, um, you have an expectation of what your parenting is going to be before you become a parent, right? Absolutely. Everybody does. Oh, absolutely. Um, and... That always looks differently than yep. you expect it to. Oh, 100%. Right? So biological or adoptive, yes. it looks different. Yeah, I can say it's definitely yes. the same. <laughs> um, but the, the thing for us to remember, and, you know, it's so good that we have to take classes and stay, like, in the know and stay up on all of this. But um, to just remember that our children are coming from a place of trauma. Mm. And so um, pouring grace on my children to be like, okay, like I understand that there may not respond to a situation the same way that a child who never experienced trauma does, yep. you know, or there's going to be certain triggers mm. that are going to create a behavioral response yep. um, where, you know, a, a parent of a biological children may respond with a discipline. I may have to respond with a hug, mm. you know, and, and I think that it's, you have to have grace in the situation to understand and to look through their eyes to see mm. it, you know? Um, grace on myself. I'm a perfectionist, and I struggle oh. with control big time. Mm. And I found this sign at Hobby Lobby <laughs> that I bought because I saw it, and I was like, this sign is for me. But it says, <laughs> you know, live by grace, not by perfection. Oh, that's good. I have it hung up in my bathroom, so I have to look at it every day. Every day. <laughs> But it's a good reminder for myself, like, yeah. look at my parenting doesn't have to be perfect. No. It has to be full of grace for my kids yep. and full of grace for myself. Yeah. And it's okay if my house is a little messy oh, and yeah. it's okay if my kids are a little messy and it's yep. okay. You know, like, it's fine. Um, and also grace for like the social workers, because really, I mean, I think it's, it would be easy to point fingers and blame, mm. but really the social workers, they're overworked. They have so many caseloads. And how is it possible for one person to have to see, you know, 20 families in one day mm. and answer all of our text messages and all of our phone calls? And then this one had, a, you know, this child ran away from home, so the social worker has to go and pick that child up. Oh, but mm. this one needs counseling services, and I need your help today. And this, they're overworked. Yeah. And the turnover in social workers right now is insane. And so, um, like, we went through, I think, five different social workers in our children's case, this wow. most recent one. Um, you know, and so every time a new social worker comes mm. around, paperwork gets lost, yep. files get misplaced, they don't know the case, they, you know, so everything gets messy again. And so it's not one person's fault. Yep. It's just everything, things aren't smoothly running, you yeah. know. And um, 
So I think, you know, just grace was a big one for me yep. just to be like, okay, we're going to get through this. <laughs> the Lord is good. Yes. You know, it will happen. <laughs> yes. So. Um, so if there's someone listening to this podcast right now who is kind of, you know, in the trenches, so to speak, like mm-hmm. maybe they're fostering or they're adopting and they're feeling how you were at one point, like discouraged and disheartened, what kind of advice, what's a, some little piece of advice that you could offer them to like, you know, keep going? Oh man. Um, can I actually, I would like to offer my piece of advice to the people who know the foster family. Mm. Um, oh, that's good. If you know of a foster family, yep. um, check in on them, mm. bring them a meal, um, you know, offer to hang out while the baby naps so mm. they can run to the store. Oh. Um, it's, it's lonely. Yeah. And, um, you know, unless unless you fostered yourself, it's like mm. it's hard for someone to like really comprehend oh, yeah. the mess of it all. Yep. And I know so many foster families who have just gone through really, really dark periods and it's impossible to do without a village. Mm. Like that's why people quit, you yep. know? Um, like half of the people that get fo- like get their license for fostering, they quit after the first year. Wow. It's hard. Yeah. Um and really, I'm like, I'm thankful we can do it because, one, we we have a relationship with the Lord, yep. so we're like, we're good. But we also have incredible community around us. Mm. So, you know, within YWAM, we have our incredible co-worker community. Within our church, we have mm. an amazing community of people that rally around us. And then even just within the fostering community here locally, we're, like, very well connected. And mm. so we have a good village um, of people who, you know, have donated time and clothing and um just holding my baby so I can take a shower and you know just the smallest things that may not seem like a big deal um is a huge blessing and I would say for the foster families to lean in on your village and let them know yeah Yeah. let them know you're struggling like reach out to your church and say Mm. hey I really need some help I really need community I really need a babysitter for one hour. I really need a meal this week. You yeah. know, um, it's it's humbling to do that. It oh, is. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. I think for most yes. people to ask for help. You yeah. know, it's inc- uncomfortable to tell someone that you're struggling. Yeah. Um, but the fact of the matter is, like, like your church and your friends, they love you yep. and they want to help you. They often just don't know how. Yeah. Um, or like you said, they don't even know that you. They don't know you're struggling. It. Yeah. Because yeah. a very basic, like, hey, how are you? Yes. Instead of saying, like, what can I do right now to help yeah. you? It's, like, a totally different yeah. question. Yeah. So, um, I would say that, like, just making sure that you're connected with community mm. because um, that cliche, you know, it takes a village. It's it's so it's true. true. Yeah. It's so true. Like, yep. you need to be surrounded by people that are supporting you, mm-hmm. you know, and... Um, you know, the Bible is really, really clear that we are to um, defend the vulnerable children, that we mm-hmm. are to reach out to the orphans, and we are to reach out to, you know. The widows. Yeah. And, yep. and um, not everyone is called to foster and adopt. They're not, and that's yep. fine. But we as a church mm-hmm. are called to serve them, yeah. you know. And so if you know a family that's serving in that way, like, reach out and connect with them and be a part mm-hmm. of that church that's supporting them so yep. that they can continue. Because mm-hmm. um, burnout is huge like that's a big thing like when you're dealing with um behaviors from children when you're dealing with um 
biological children, like some of them aren't so cooperative. Oh, um, yeah. You know, when you're dealing with that struggle, if you're dealing with social worker struggle, you're dealing with court struggles, you know, you're having to attend appointments and mm-hmm. counseling and you have a lot going on. Your schedule fills up really quickly. Yeah. You have strangers in and out of your house every other week, you oh, know? Yeah. So you're kind of always under scrutiny. You're yeah. always, you know, one of the stressful things um, we'll say like, for when our kids were had an open case, the most stressful thing for me was, you know, we had three little ones, and, well, three little ones are clumsy, and learning to walk, and, you know, so we would have, like, any bump and bruise had to be, like, documented. Yeah, it. so it was, like, everything had to have a photo, and you had to send it to your caseworker, and you had to have the oh. story behind it, and how to have, you know, and I'm, like, half the time, I'm, like, I don't even know how you <laughs> like, I was cooking dinner, I turned around and had a bruise. I don't yeah. know how that happened. But it's, it's stressful because you're constantly on the defense, too, you know? Yeah. And um, it's just, it's emotionally draining. Mm. And we need people praying for us. We need people, you know, worn behind us. We need mm. to have that support of someone to fall upon, you know? Yeah. And um, I'm often reminded of, you know, Moses and Aaron, you know? And Aaron and, I forget her, um, held up Moses' arm. Miriam? Was it Miriam? Was it a sister? I thought it was her, but maybe it was Miriam. Oh, I thought you were saying her. Okay, never mind. No, no, no. <laughs> but you know, like, when, when he, like, lifts up the arms. They were winning. Yeah, and they were holding up his arms for him mm-hmm. because he's too weak to hold him up that whole time oh, by himself, yeah. you know? And I think that that's a really beautiful picture of, um, you know, the church and, and communities coming around people yeah. to give them strength. Yep. You know? And we need that. Yeah, I actually just read, I think I read that the other, is it Exodus? Is it yeah. Next? Yeah, I think I just read that um, in my Bible plan the other day. That's so funny. Okay, so if people like really connected with your story, or let's say there's someone who out there is fostering right now and doesn't have the village, and they maybe kind of need some advice on resources that you might know of or anything, mm-hmm. how, or someone just wants to reach out and just encourage you, whatever, um, whatever the case may be. How can people get in touch with you? What would be the best way? Yeah, it would be um, email. Okay. I think it's going to be the best, um, most secure. I, I'm sort of weird, like, not weird, but <laughs> more like private. Because I, oh, like, yeah. do you just have, um, when you're dealing with just, like, sensitive topics and stuff, it's just a mm-hmm. little bit, like, you just got to be a little bit more careful. So no, email. Email's perfect. Yeah, so I have email. Um, it's just rebuildingconnection at gmail.com. Okay. Perfect. Um, and yeah, you can reach out to me that way. Yeah, that's perfect. And then also, if anybody reaches out to me, I can put you in touch with her. Awesome. So yeah, well, Amber, I just want to say thank you, first of all, for being so vulnerable. And you know, because it's not, like you said, this is a very sensitive subject. So I thank you for just sharing your wisdom and telling us how you got through it. And I just, you know, I honor you and Andrea, as you guys are, like I said earlier, true salt and light so I thank you for what you did and what you have done and what you will continue to do because I know it's going to keep going and going thank you (laughs) all right well thank you everybody thank you for listening to the Encourageous podcast I hope today's story left you feeling encouraged and inspired come back every other Thursday for a new episode and be sure to subscribe Your support makes a world of a difference, especially for a new and bi-weekly podcast like this one. If you want to connect with me on social, you can find me on both Instagram and Facebook at The Encourageous Podcast. Until next time, stay encourageous.